Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of CX Cast. This is Jenny Wise, joined as always in studio by co-host Sam Stern. Hello, Sam. Hi, Jenny. Although today, Sam will be putting down his co-hosting hat and joining us as an interviewee to share some of his employee experience and culture expertise. We're also joined today in studio by colleague and CX Metrics guru, Maxie Schmidt. Hello, Maxie. Hey, Jenny. Today, we're going to talk about how to incentivize employees in a two-part podcast. So the overarching question is going to be, is paying employees to deliver good experience a good idea? The question that we will answer today in part one will be, what is the impact of paying employees to deliver a good experience? How does it impact employee motivation? And what are some of the unintended consequences that can result? So why isn't paying employees a good idea? Are there any proof points or examples that show that it doesn't work at best or can have even some negative effects at worst? There are so many examples of where companies provided an incentive to some group of employees for getting better customer experience results where they expected the employees to improve their service or improve their emphasis on focusing on customers' needs or improve timeliness of service, whatever the quality or criteria they were trying to improve in the customer experience. And the actual employee reaction was to take the shortest path possible to optimizing their score on the metric used for the bonus or the incentive. So in many cases, it was a bonus or incentive tied to how high a customer sat or net promoter score you got. And so in those instances, employees would coach customers on what score they needed to give them in order for me, employee, to get the bonus that you, customer, I'm assuming care about me, employee, get it. And we saw one example from Porsche, luxury automaker, where employees offered freebies to customer in exchange for the survey scores that they needed to get their bonuses. So they're actually giving more stuff away, costing you money and getting into the side transaction with the customer that distracts and and moves off from the actual interaction that the customer came in for. I think that's the key notion that Sam and I came across is that as soon as you create a variable pay for Mm -hmm. customer experience metrics, you tie the accountability for the metrics to money. And we've seen loads of examples where that becomes a problem and where that leads to the exact opposite behaviors. And I mean, in the Porsche example, that's not just not great for customers who feel like their relationship with the dealer is suddenly soiled by this transactional nature of it, right? Oh, I thought this guy really liked me, but hmm, seems like, you know, it was just for the survey score, but it's also not great for the employees. And that's one of the other examples we've seen. I've blogged about this before where employees told me when I asked them, like, why do you keep begging for for, for survey scores? Why do you keep begging for nines Mm -hmm. and tens? And they said, our boss told us that uh, if Southwest can do it, we can do it too. And if we get an eight or less on a net promoter scale more than three times in a row, we get fired. I don't think that that's the actual truth, but I think that that's what employees feared. So before we make this about the employees and their gaming behavior is something that's like so outrageous, we have to also think about the reality that those employees live in under tremendous pressure to deliver to some score that they sometimes don't influence, yet are being held accountable for. So what do you say for the people who say, oh, Oh, well, so-and-so company like Southwest do this and it works. 
Yeah. And I think it's such a great example. Oh, if Southwest can do it, then so can we. Well, no, you can't. I mean, Southwest has been living a culture of customer centricity since it was founded. In our recent forum, we talked about Lady Gaga companies that were born this way. Uh, This cell phone carrier was not born that way. Mm -hmm. And so to assume you can just mandate it and it will be so is crazy and makes employees do crazy things because of it. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So now then companies are interested in improving CX. So they are finding scores to measure CX and somewhat arbitrarily attaching monetary incentive to them without the larger shift behind it happening. So it's either de-incentivizing for employees because they can't accommodate it or employees are finding workarounds. Exactly. So the way that I think about it is there's just two scenarios. First scenario, the employees are really motivated to do the things that you need to deliver good CX. If you throw money at those employees, it's either not going to do anything, so it's going to be a big waste, or those employees are going to find that cheapens their efforts because, mm. hey, I did this to do the right thing for the customer, not because of some 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 money I'm getting. Or they're getting cynical because it's already so hard to be good in customer experience. There's so many processes and policies in the way that make it really difficult to deliver good customer experience. And now suddenly you incentivize me on this without even making it easier for me. So I really want to, but I can't. And now you're putting this extra pressure on me. Mm-hmm. So first situation, right? money either doesn't do anything or it actually decreases the kind of motivation that those employees right. have. The intrinsic motivation exactly. that they already had yeah. to perform yeah. well. Yeah. Right. Other situation is employees aren't motivated, they aren't intrinsically motivated to deliver good customer experiences. And then you throw money at them. But what happens is if you put money, monetary incentive like that in place, it might drive some behaviors up. But when you take it away, the behaviors will go down to the previous level or even below that. Mm-hmm. Right? So the behaviors will vanish again. And the other thing we know is that for customer experience, you need so many behaviors that are really hard to motivate with monetary incentives, like being creative, being collaborative. That's all stuff that research tells us you do worse than their monetary incentives. So then the second group of employees will only do great things for customers if they want to do it. So if you explain why they should, in which case you're back in situation one. So (laughs) no matter where you are with your company, money doesn't actually do what you hope it does if you use it as a monetary incentive for customer experience performance. And so what I think you might have been talking about there, because I've looked through this report, um, you talked about a few myths, right? The myth of what Mm -hmm. companies believe money does, which is why they keep doing this and then what the actual reality is. And so if I'm right, I think you just talked about the motivation myth, right? That money is a motivator, but we just learned that it can also demotivate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So the five myths that Sam and I found are really connected, right? And they're about, as you said, what money does, but also about what we think people are like. It's our assumption (laughs) on on, on how people work. So one of the myths is the motivation myth, right? Does money motivate? And no, we know that money doesn't motivate Sam, right? There are other factors like relatedness to colleagues, like a sense of purpose, autonomy, mastery, those things motivate people. But the other myth that everything is really instrumental in this is also the call this the control myth. And that's the myth that you need to control your employees because they wouldn't do it voluntarily. So you need to instill a set of rules that they need to follow. And then you need to incentivize following those rules with money because otherwise those rules are terribly boring because mm-hmm. it's like a rules-based right. environment and you take everything out of the job that's interesting. So now you need to do, throw money at people so they follow those rules. Right. You ruined the job. You ruined the situation in which they were working. And so it seems like they're demotivated, but you demotivated them. Mm-hmm. You did this to them. Not They're not demotivated. You demotivated <laughs> you this. them. This is your fault. So right. then throwing money at the problem, you're basically by saying, oh, they need money to do the job. You're blaming the victim. The victim here is the employee working in a horrible environment, not you, the company getting these lazy employees. So it's exactly backwards. I'm angry about this because it's yeah. like you created bad workplaces and now yeah. you're blaming employees and saying, oh, we'll throw some money at you to make up for your laziness. It's like wrong. 
you ruined this. It's your fault. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we spoke with a really interesting psychologist, Barry Schwartz, and his term for this is idea technology. And I think that's really fascinating because it, it doesn't only apply to this, it applies to many things in customer experience. But for the incentives, it goes something like this. Your idea about how things work in a natural surrounding, your theories, for example, the, the sun revolves around the earth. If you have the wrong theory, it's not going to change anything. The earth is still going to revolve around the sun. That's it, right? But if you have an idea of how humans work and then you create an environment in which the humans, as you think of them, function, then you often create an environment in which the humans can't do anything else and function that way. Mm. Example, assembly line. You think that employees are lazy and they need Stupid, to be told. So they have to yeah. do the same repetitive task. Exactly what to do. And you have to, uh, have to have to give them those tasks. So then you create an assembly line for them and they stand there. But you have taken everything out of that job that is remotely interesting, that is remotely gratifying, that's remotely right. motivating. So then, of course, they only come there because you pay them. Mm -hmm. But that's not because they were inherently that way. It's because you created an environment that turned them that way. And that's the danger with idea technology. And that's why Sam and I are so, so passionate about talking to firms about the bad effects that these monetary incentives can have on employees and on customer experiences. I think you're absolutely right to call that out. It's such an important idea because you end up seeming to prove yourself right with your mm -hmm. wrong idea because yeah. they, they then do seem demotivated in this right. awful environment when actually you could fix the environment and motivate them that way and motivate them in a more profound way that's actually intrinsic, that actually allows them to bring the creativity and passion required required to deliver great customer experience to the job. So before we get to what the right way is, because I can see we're ahead. chomping I'm at the bit to answer it, yeah. that question, <laughs> and we will. Um, but the first thing I want to ask about is your first myth here, which I don't think we talked about, mm -hmm. which I think is often the start of why this has even happened, is the idea of this signal myth, right? We want to tell the world that we think CX is important, so we're going to put these incentives in place so that everyone else thinks that we think that this is important. And so I'm curious to hear a little bit more about that myth because my assumption is that the rest of this kind of follows suit, right? That's the starting point. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think money is often used as a stand-in for how seriously we're taking something. Mm -hmm. we're, we're paying money for this. That, that means how seriously we're taking it. I remember when, it's kind of a random example here, but when Mark Zuckerberg donated $100 million to the Newark school system to try and fix Newark, New Jersey's schools, the money was almost just completely flushed down the toilet, made no difference. The school district resented this outsider coming in from across the country to spend all this money on them. But it's like, oh, $100 million, that's so much money. There's a big cable and internet company that talks about they're investing $300 million per year in customer experience improvements. Their scores haven't changed. So money is a stand-in for actually doing the things that show you're taking something seriously. It's like we're putting this incentive here and back to Maxie's earlier point, instead of actually fixing the broken processes and the sort of counterproductive goals and incentives that we've created in the organization to begin with that make it hard for employees to deliver a good customer experience, we'll just throw money at them to show them how seriously we take this. When in actuality, it almost is like a Potemkin village of customer experience seriousness. It's, it's look over here at this money, not over here at all these other things we haven't addressed. Mm -hmm. Correct. And these myths actually work together a lot. So there's maybe a, a place where you get into that, but we have to send that signal that we care about CX so much because we've sent the signal already about safety <laughs> and uh, maybe about revenue and we've conditioned them like operant conditioning to to react to that money as oh this is important mm -hmm. but now what happens is that people say okay I get 20% of, of my salary as a bonus of that 20% uh, 20% uh, CX. But that doesn't mean that CX is the most important thing by far, does it? Right? Because it's just a fifth of your bonus. So what we're actually doing is we're sending the signal that CX is also important, as important as anything else, which is not getting you to the point where you are able to differentiate based on CX. Mm -hmm. right? It's not more important. It's just as important as everything else. 
It can even be more constraining to the CX team and employees that you have that are trying to deliver CX because you've now put some metrics and goals around them that they have to deliver against. <laughs> well, to Maxie's point, if someone is taking it literally, then you'd say, okay, it's 20% of my 20%. That's not that much of my week. So I'll give a little bit of mm-hmm. incremental effort towards this, but not much. You know, the, the thing is that uh, I don't want to make the impression that Sam and I are some kind of activists against incentives here. We have made a really good case why they don't work first of all, but B, also why they are not a good investment. And I think yeah. that's the most important thing that, that hmm. some people in, in, in companies need to listen to better. If you look at how much money companies spend, and we did this like super back of the envelope calculation, right? You have very well paid, that's 20% of your full salary, I think 20% of that is CX, and then let's assume you have 54,000 employees and the salary annually is $45,000. That leaves you at like nearly a million dollars spent on incentives. And is that huge in the balance sheet of a big company? No, but it's a huge budget for CX stuff that you could use otherwise. And as I mentioned earlier in those two situations, right? You throw money at the motivated employees or at the demotivated employees and it doesn't do anything. Why do you spend $100 million on something that you don't do anything with when all the time we're hard pressed for making the ROI for CX, but we haven't thought about enough about making the ROI for the incentives? Yeah, that's a really interesting point. So when we think about these types of incentives that are bonuses, pay-based and not working because that doesn't always work for human behavior and it doesn't always motivate in the right way, that is a story that could be applied to many different parts of the organization, right? Many different incentives. So I'm curious as to if there is something very specific to CX and the CX organization and what it is that they're trying to accomplish that makes this especially important for CX pros to care about and take action on. Maxi just made a very good point point about how you should revisit all the money you're spending on incentives. But where I would say two things that absolutely stand out for CX and apply to other things, but for sure are present for CX. One is it's complex, it's creative, a good customer experience is almost always tailored or personalized to some extent. And so you just can't codify in rules exactly what the specific behaviors, attitudes, conversation should look and sound like. So it's very hard to give direct incentives for that, which is often why companies default to the scores and the surveys, which are then gamed. Mm -hmm. The second thing is it is a behavior being nice to other people that the vast majority of people on earth are intrinsically motivated to do. It's been shown over and over again in academic studies that when you replace a behavior that people are intrinsically motivated to do, you overwhelm the intrinsic motivation with an extrinsic motivator like money. Then you ruin the intrinsic motivation. It goes away. Yeah, that's like the the AARP example, right? They asked lawyers whether they would help the AARP members for a discounted rate. And the lawyers overwhelmingly said no. And then they asked the lawyers, would you do it for free pro bono, right? Uh, Yeah, sure. Totally. <laughs> oh, that's because, interesting. Because the, the real issue here behind this is that uh, at work, we think of this as, as a workplace, but social norms apply. And as you try to collaborate with peers around you to do the things that are important to deliver a great experience, but we're not talking frontline here, we're talking all around the company. I need to make decisions that require customer data. So I need to talk to the people who have the customer data. And all of these kind of social settings are governed by social collaboration. And social collaboration is about reciprocity. It's not about putting a price on money. And as soon as you put a price on collaboration, people will make a calculation, a cost-benefit calculation. And we have this kind of little cartoon in the in the report where at one state it's a social norm, right? A person asks their collaborator, hey, I need to finish this presentation for a client. Can you help me? And the collaborator says, yeah, of course. I know you'd do the same for me. But if the same person would say, hey, I need to finish this presentation and I'll give you $100 if you stay to help me to finish this, then the other person might say, you know, my family time is more valuable than $100. So no, I don't think so. So suddenly you've introduced that market norm that governs in interactions versus the social collaboration norm. Even if you got to my day rate in terms of the money you were offering me. Okay. You know, let's say it's a thousand dollars for me to do this extra work. I'm going to expect it the next time. Even if you get the price right, 
you mm-hmm. still ruin the social norm aspect that Maxie was just talking about. So I think that's why it's, you know, I'm, I'm picturing a skeptic listening to this saying, well, yeah, but I just increased the price. It's like, no, then you have ruined the mm-hmm. social norm aspect of it that governs so much of the incremental work that we do in a workplace. Dan Ariely describes this nicely. He talks about what would happen if you gave your mother-in-law $50 for Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, apart from maybe a divorce <laughs> or maybe a slap in the face or like, that's just not done, right? Yeah. You don't bring money yeah. into the social context. Don't quantify context. some things yeah. with money. But right. the important point for us is that we shouldn't think about social context only applicable to families, but to the right. workplace. And that's a major thing that I think we're forgetting in this whole discussion mm-hmm. around incentives. And also back to your ROI, maybe the day rate is $1,000 to help with the deck, but it also would have just been free if you hadn't done that at all. So it's still <laughs> exactly. a net loss, Great point. even exactly. if it keeps going up. So this method is flawed. That is loud and clear. Well, Sam and Maxie, thank you for joining today and answering the question about is paying employees for delivering good CX a good idea and what are some of the unintended consequences. As a reminder to listeners, on next week's episode, we'll be continuing the conversation and answering the question, how can companies effectively incentivize employees to deliver good CX? And for those of you interested in learning more, there is a link to the report that this was based on entitled Why Paying employees for delivering good CX is a bad idea available in the notes. Thank you for listening and bye for now. Glad you could join us for this week's episode of CX Cast. If you want to learn more about this week's topic, check out the notes section of the episode for some links to relevant research. And as always, you can email us at cxcast at forester.com with any questions or topic ideas for future episodes. And remember, your customer's perception is your customer experience reality.